0: you're listening to the cars of carlisle network podcast episode number 158 featuring special guest amy boylan distinguished executive for companies like mattel shelby american west coast customs and saline automotive remember this is your podcast together it's all about car community car culture. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip.
1: Today, Team CFC is fortunate to spend time speaking with Amy Boylan, one of the most successful business executives
2: in the automotive arena. Amy set precedent for being the first female executive in multiple areas, including holding top ranking roles, like
1: president and COO of companies such as Shelby American and Saline Automotive. It's time to head to Palm Springs, California to learn more about
0: Amy's journey. So let's get up. <laughs> Hello and welcome back, keepers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren. As always, we enjoy having you back again with us on this week's Audio Road Trip. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Amy Boylan, a results-driven business person who has accomplished amazing things in her career, from time at Mattel, known affectionately as Hot Wheels Amy, to helping Carol Shelby turn things around at Shelby American, to serving as Chief Operating Officer at West Coast Customs, to her time at Celine Automotive as President
2: and COO. We'll be back. Just a reminder to all your Cubas, it's not a moment too soon to become a Cars of Carlisle subscriber and accelerate your experience. Leaving a five-star rating on iTunes, posting a review, and sharing Cars of Carlisle with friends makes you an integral part of the crew. If you like what you hear, support the cause with a quick click of the PayPal button on the main page of our website, CarsofCarlisle.com. So act now. Take a look around, and let's hit the fast lane together. Thank you.
0: It is time to downshift for this week's trivia challenge. Question is this. In honor of Amy's time at Mattel, how many Hot Wheels cars have been produced over the last 53 years? That answer awaits at the end of this episode. It's time to head to Palm Springs, California to spend some time with Amy Bonn.
1: It's interesting. I actually started my career working approving credit cards before they were a POS machines. Okay. So if they had to charge more than 50 bucks, they'd have to call in to get it approved. And we'd look it up on the computer and approve it or disapprove it or whatever. And and then I went to the computer room, and I actually learned how to work mainframe computers. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I mean, there were were games on mainframe computers, you know, the old text-based games. Yes. I walked into a cave. I picked up a lantern. You know, that type
0: of thing. I do remember those, yes.
1: So, um, I always loved computers. And then I got a job when PCs came out. I got a job for the New York City Transit Authority at their help desk. And it was all PC-based. And I started to learn a lot about computers. And from there, I went into video games, PC-based video games. And um, at the time, I think the only thing there was was Atari in, mm-hmm. com- in video games, but then I went to computer games, and I started in a company in Miami that did PC-based games, um, and it was great, but my career really took off when I went to Acclaim Entertainment back in New York, and uh, they made... Uh, only they made video and PC games but we did NBA Jam. We did uh, WWF wrestling. I did the alien games on PC. Wow. I did Turok the Dinosaur Hunter. That's... So I love I loved it. So I did video games and that's how I got to Mattel toys actually.
0: Gotcha. Well that's that's really a- Cool segue. In fact, let me. uh, I'm going to get us um, launched into the interview. And and would it be also have you? Would it be fair to ask the question? Have you ever considered yourself a car person? Or and if so, when you felt like when in your life did that uh, that epiphany happen for you? Would that be a fair question? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Okay. Um. Yeah, I consider myself a car girl forever. Okay, I'll tell you exactly when it was. Okay. It was May of 1968, and I was standing on the corner of our block, sitting on my bicycle, waiting for my dad to come home with his new Chevelle SS.
0: Oh. Oh, my. What a great car.
1: (laughs) And I couldn't wait. It was red with a black vinyl top. Yes. And it was a 396 SS. And uh I love that car. I mean, I, I think you know I was only uh, at the time eleven, not even eleven, mm-hmm. almost eleven, and uh that car was a beauty, and there was nothing else like it in the neighborhood.
0: Mm, and it sounded amazing, I'm sure too.
1: It was in my and it was uh it was uh automatic mm-hmm. on the floor mm-hmm. and it was our house car. I mean, my dad had a work car, but that was a car my mother drove to get <laughs> groceries.
0: That's great.
1: <laughs> so, my dad has always been the guy who washed the car on the weekend, kept it tuned up, got the oil change every 2,000 miles. Um, when he, he would keep a car for 10 years... When he would trade it in it was better than new. I believe that. So in nineteen seventy five I got my license in New York, I think I was eighteen. Um 75, 74, somewhere around there. Anyway, um uh he gave me that car.
0: Wow, what a gift. What a gift.
1: And he gave it to me to use while we got a new car from my mom and the house, the house car. Mm-hmm. And when I got the car, the car had 13,000 miles on it.
0: <laughs> and prestigiously maintained too.
1: And prestigiously maintained. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was my grandmother wanted to buy me a newer car for graduating high school. So my dad gave that car to my sister and she wrecked it. Oh, and yeah. my dad bought me he was only two years old, but he bought me a seventy one and then he was a Chevy guy, but my cousin who got pregnant had a seventy one Challenger R T, black with white racing stripes oh, and a white nice. vinyl roof. Yes. And white interior. And so that became my car.
0: Mm. Very nice. Then
1: my sister, she wrecked the Chevelle. Um, and then he gave me that too. And I traded that car for a 56 Chevy Bel Air.
0: Ooh, nice.
1: Yeah, Matador Red and White. It was a great car.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: So I've always been, I have always been a car girl. That's I
0: mean, important. I've
1: had Camaro, 450, I think 450, 454 mm. or four, I can't remember now, it's been so long. I had a 68, I traded the uh, Challenger, I traded it for a 68 uh, Camaro convertible mm. with I believe a 454 and her shifter and N60 tires on the back. <laughs> And it only got eight miles. It said eight miles a gallon, but it felt like eight blocks for the gallon.
0: Uh, but
1: I was young, and it was a convertible, and it was a it it had uh, headers. Oh yeah. Before headers were illegal, and so whenever I used to come home at night, um, I turned the car off up the block and <laughs> roll it into
0: my spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's great
1: <laughs> so I've, I've always had great cars I've, I've been a Chevy girl most of my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: until, um, until I went to work for Carol it's funny um, when I went to meet Carol at his country club in Bel Air I met him actually at Mattel Toys and, but then he needed somebody to help him with Shelby Autos. And he asked me to come meet him at his country club, Bel Air, and I showed up in my 72 Chevelle SS. <laughs> and um, convertible, and he wanted to drive. And so uh, he interviewed me in the car.
0: <laughs> Was he behind the wheel piloting? During the interview,
1: yeah, he was yeah, he was behind. It was a, it was actually it was a manual, so he was behind the wheel driving. Nice. And uh, then he hired me to go to Shelby, but
0: and that would have been um, uh, fall of two thousand five. Is that when?
1: Yeah, that was actually in early two thousand
0: five. Okay, and you so you became president of, of Shelby Automotive Automobiles Incorporated, and. Uh, and from the research and the reading I've done, you you inherited a, a bowl of spaghetti that needed a lot of uh, a lot of attention.' That'd be nice
1: Well, you know here's the thing really brilliant men in automotive, creative men in automotive don't care about day to day right mm-hmm. So if they hire somebody to do day to day for them that doesn't do the right thing, they end up in a problem right. Okay, it doesn't make them any less brilliant. You know, but they're focusing on new cars, new inventions. The vision. New way to, to run a vehicle. I mm-hmm. remember when I went to work for Carroll, he had a hydrogen Cobra he built. I mean, this is 2005. He built that car in 2001.
0: That's visionary.
1: I mean, he built the, the Shelby, um, you know, S1. Yep, exactly. 99. That call was brilliant. I had one. It was brilliant. Mm. Way ahead of this time.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yes, he had somebody running the company who didn't do a good job. Um, But it was an amazing brand, and Carol was an amazing man. And so I was able to hire good people, keep some of the good people, Mm -hmm. Um. I did a deal with Robert Parker at Ford for the Hertz project. Ah, uh, yes. And and as they say, the rest is history.
0: Well, that GTH Mustang—that uh, was something amazing. Just the fact that uh, being able to have those in, in certain Hertz fleets in major cities across the U.S. That, I, that was that was truly a game changer.
1: You know, it's funny. And I think this is where being a woman comes in. A lot of times a guy is, you know, climbing the ladder and he wants to put his stamp on things. So when I went to Shelby, the guy who was there before me was actually building a raised up big tire um, uh, SUV, a Ford Excursion. You know, something West Coast Customs was doing at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I looked at the guys around the table, and I said, uh, you know, I'm a Chevy girl, but why aren't you doing the new Mustang? Ah, uh, gotcha. And the, and the one guy at the table, who shall remain nameless, said, well, you know, Roush is doing the new Mustang, and Pete is doing the new Mustang, and Celine is doing the new Mustang. And I said, yeah, but you're Shelby. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I said, We're doing the new Mustang. So, you know, we, we looked up anniversaries. The 40th anniversary was coming up. Robert Parker was very gracious and helped us get everything off. And that helped us for the start of rebuilding the company. And I mean, then I wasn't interested in building. The newest, greatest thing. I mean, I I was to some point, technology-wise maybe, but I always remember, I believe it's important in all companies with a legacy to never forget where you come from.
2: We're going to take a quick break. We're only going to be gone for just about 60 seconds. We would like to proudly mention our official OEM sponsor, Porsche Mechanicsburg. In the market for a Macan, Cayenne, 718 or 911? Porsche Mechanicsburg will match you with the perfect vehicle from their extensive inventory of pre-owned and new models. When it comes to service on these magnificent machines, their record of quality workmanship is unmatched with a staff of mechanics whose prowess in all facets of Porsche engineering is world class. These are all time-tested trademarks that have been part of the Faulkner Auto Group since 1932. 2021 will witness an expansion of their sales and service excellence with the now-completed new state-of-the-art Porsche Center. Located at 6625 Carlisle Pike, Porsche Mechanicsburg is the destination when ready to make that dream a reality. Parked in your driveway. And let's get back to our interview.
1: So, so bringing back the Hertz 40th anniversary oh, yeah. was important to the company
0: agreed well and, and not only that but you helped by with Rob Parker and and with the the Shelby Gth and you were able to uh, help tie or reconnect I should say you know, Carol Shelby to Ford and that so that legacy uh, continues on to this day
1: that's correct and you know that wasn't easy either Shelby had always had a very Um, up-and-down relationship with Ford. He sued them, they sued him. Um, But Edsel Ford always loved Carol. He spent a lot of time with him in his 20s and teens, I believe. Mm -hmm. So he he had a very... His heart had a spot for Carol. And so they wanted to see Carol come back. And it was good for Ford. You know, and then the dealers—they saw the GPH as something they wanted to sell. Right. There was nothing else like it, so that opened the door for the Shelby GP. Yeah,
0: it was brilliant moves on your part, and I think a big part of that comes down uh, to—I'm so impressed from your all the executive roles you've had, Amy. Um, But just in particular, I think you are a people person and that's evident to me the fact that uh, as we were talking off air before we started to record tonight's episode that you would work all hours around uh, the clock essentially talking to the end consumer that in the product users whether it would be your time at mattel and and hot wheels collectors or to uh saline owners or shelby owners and really understanding what were their needs, what were their concerns, where were the gaps, how can we fill that. And that is something that is a lost art, and you excel that. And it's a form of brilliance that you were able to connect all those dots as you did. So my hand is off to you.
1: Wow, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you can't learn as a company, and you can't learn as a business. And I actually learned that from my father. My father was a great people person and he was very hands on with his customers long before there was an internet but he would always talk to them on the phone and he would never sell them anything they didn't need Mm -hmm. um, he always told me and I never forgot this and I used to pass this on to the guys who worked for me you take care of your customers first, you take care of your employees first you take care of the people you work for first. And if there's anything left over, that's yours.
0: I like that. That's a great way to think I can in visualizing almost like a a pie and you, you cut those big thirds out and if there's anything then so be it. But you don't you don't worry so much about what's gonna be on your plate. I think that's my
1: my dad always told me you can put yourself first, you can be selfish, you can get to the top very fast. But you won't stay there. And you won't have the loyalty of your staff. Mm-hmm. And I've always prided myself on having loyal staff. And people have come with me from company to company and um, who've always been extremely loyal, and I've been loyal back.
0: Mm-hmm. I believe that. I think your leadership speaks for itself. And I think it's far too often that servant leadership gets lost when people are hungry to climb the ladder or whatever it could possibly be. But uh, you've, I think even just reading some quotes from Carol himself saying about how you were just completely honest. He knew that you were straight with him no matter what. And even if it was information that was going to maybe hurt, you know, make him wince a little bit, at least he was hearing it straight and he could count on you and trust you. And that's, people you worked for, people that worked alongside with you, or some those that reported up to you. So, um, very key there.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I mean, at Mattel, it was a little harder for me being a top executive at Mattel because a lot of people around me played a lot of games. It was very political. I see. And it's very, I can't be political. I'm very much you know, what you see is what you get. You might not want to hear what I have to say, but I'm going to always be honest. And I was very close with the president of Mattel at the time, and he, he would always, you know, make me do the ugly in staff meetings because I would call him out. Mm. He, did, he couldn't do that, but I would call him out because I would be like, well, this isn't about you. Mm-hmm. This is about the company. This is about the brand. Mhm. Mhm. You know, but that's how they played and you know, after a while, as much as I loved being in the town, it was very hard politically.
0: Well, I think that you have always from what I have sensed from reading all about your, your career and, wow. and that you've you've had that entrepreneurial drive and it, it's less about having the corner office and um, but more about building something sustainable as you said surrounding yourself by great people loyal people people that know that the sum of all parts are much bigger than that what you're creating is bigger than the sum of all parts it's something special to that group and i and i think that's that's remarkable
1: well i appreciate that and you know i used to tell a lot of times i've been fixing software companies and and maybe Reorganizing automobile companies, and I used to always tell my staff look, I know you're not making what you should be making, but you've always been loyal to the company, and then you're going to hang on a little longer so we can turn things around and make things better. Then you'll get the right salary, you'll get bonuses, and I was always true to my word. I believe that. When I was at Mattel, my staff got great bonuses because I was, you know, we built a software division for Mattel before I went to Hot Wheels. and uh, When I got to uh, Hot Wheels, the brand, the same thing. And when I got to Shelby, when we made money, everybody got the perfect, the right salaries and bonuses. Mm -hmm. I always took care of my staff because you have no company without taking care of the people. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say, Yes, I get the accolades for who I am or what I've done. But the truth is, I'm nowhere without my staff. Right. You know, my staff is the one that helped me fix things and create things and make things happen. So, you know, no no woman or man is an island. You can't do it by yourself.
0: No, you cannot. You really cannot. Wow. I... Have a lot of uh, respect for your your approach and your leadership style, and that is we need more of that in this world. So I I, I value that very much, Amy.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well,
0: for those I very that very much appreciate, oh, it. of course, very well earned. For those that maybe don't know the uh, the full gamut of, of your career, maybe walk through um, from Shelby on up to current uh, current moment where you're a board member at Celine, but would you mind just kind of walking us through the progression of your career and how you you really did go from small cars to large cars?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I, when I was in software, Mattel was headhunting. They needed someone to actually build a software division for them. And I was making, you know, what I would consider hardcore gaming on PC and on console, and Mattel offered me an amazing position, vice president of Mattel Media. They didn't even have um, a division yet. They, they were starting it. And so I went to California, which was the first time I'd left the East Coast for a job. And, and it was an amazing job. I mean, I never really... I'm not, I'm not sure what the right word is, but I had never really been treated at such a level. I had been a VP before, and I had been a studio head, which is VP level, but I had never really been treated to the corporate lifestyle. So, I got a car, I got a stipend for the car, I got a credit card for the company... Um, and so it was pretty amazing and um, I built the software division for Barbie Hot Wheels um, and Mattel had a lot of licenses at the time Disney didn't have a software division either and so we had a lot of Disney licenses for toys so I was building Disney software games and Caterpillar software games and um, we did a a uh, Hot Wheel game in 2003, an online version for kids only, and they won prizes. We'd mail them prizes. I think that was the first online multiplayer game for kids. And it was called Planet Hot Wheel. And it was amazing. And you would buy a Hot Wheel. I tagged it to the brand. So the Hot Wheel dollar car would have a coat on the back that you would scrape off Okay. and then you would scan that code into your PC and it would give you that car in the game.
0: That's great.
1: So it was pretty amazing for the time. It was such new technology. And then Mattel bought the learning company, which was a bad decision.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I spent the year getting rid of the learning company. Mm. and selling it off to other software companies and then Mattel couldn't make software anymore so I was going to leave and take another job and my boss at the time well he wasn't my boss at the time but he was sort of my pseudo boss at the time the CEO had left and um she had given me a jump to the senior vice president and um the president of Hot Wheels asked me to stay on, and I said, well, I make games. We can't make games. He said, well, we're going to have to license out the brands, and, you know, I'd like you to do that for me, and uh, and for Barbie and for everybody. And I said, you want me to work with licensed partners? I said, that's on me. I make games. <laughs> and he said, look, he said, tell you what, I'll let you keep your staff and I'll pay all their salaries, and, you know, we'll figure it out from there, because we're going to have to lay off the whole department. Wow. So I said, okay, great. Um, I'll stay, and so I was meeting with, I had a smaller staff. Um, I moved some of the staff over to the boys' group, and I kept, a core group of video people to check the license and work with THQ and Ubisoft and um, I couldn't keep Planet Hot Wheels either, so we shut it down.
0: Mm.
1: And um, so I was sitting in my office one day, I think it was like seven o'clock at night and I had a couple of the young guys who worked for me and I said, you know, I've been looking on the computer I said, and they have all these Hot Wheels and Barbie collector sites. And he said, yeah, we don't talk to those people. And I said, what do you mean we don't talk to me? He said, they're very weird, Amy. I said, well, collectors in general are very passionate. And a little weird, but they're they, passionate.
0: They spend money, too.
1: But, and they spend money. And they love your brand. Mm-hmm. I said, do you ever wonder about a collector... How much money he spends on Hot Wheels, but because he loves Hot Wheels or Barbie, he loves the brand, how much he spends on toys for kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews. Mm -hmm. So we started doing some background information, and uh, I went to my boss, and I said, Hey, I want to put up a site to talk to collectors, and he said, Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I said, Why not? He said, yeah, we don't talk to them. They're weird people. <laughs> I said, but they're, 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 he said, look, Amy, they're very, they're, they're angry people. They don't like us. I said, they love you. They collect your brand. Right. He said, all right, look, I'll let you put up a site because back then it was only forums. You know, it wasn't like Facebook. Oh, right. Sure. You only had forums, So. Anyway, I put it up, and he said, look, I'm going to tell you, if they get out of hand, I'm shutting you down. (laughs) So, I put up the site first for Barbie, and Barbie, the women were pretty good. I, you know, I'd have to go on there a couple of times. The Barbie took over their site, which was great, blessed me with boys. And the boys got out of hand, and nobody listened to them, and I said, here's the deal. You can post all your complaints in the complaint section, and I will read them, and I will respond. If you get out of hand, I'm going to shut down the site. Mm -hmm. So, as new people came on, and the site exploded. You know, I went from like 5,000 people, 10,000 people, 20,000 people. Mm. I'd have to read the riot act periodically. And my guys wouldn't do it. They were afraid of them. (laughs) So, I would go on there. And one day, I shut down the site and put up a blank screen. And I said, you will behave yourself like the adult that you are. (laughs) And if you don't, from now on, I will be uh, blocking you. And you will never be allowed back on. Ever. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we started to, the, the brand, the Hot Wheel brand wouldn't work with us to sell cars online barbie wanted to sell dolls but hot wheels didn't want to sell cars so i went directly to the factory that's my entrepreneurial spirit and they made cars for me and i got um i got uh um what was american girl who at the time didn't have stores only was online okay I got Amer- And we owned American Girl. They were owned by Mattel. So I got American Girl to ship all my cars out. And that started the Red Line Club <laughs> for Hot Wheels. Uh,
0: that's great. That and is- the
1: Collector Club. And they only came after me once I had like $20 million in the bank and they wanted to know who I was. But then <laughs> I got bored and I left. And I went to Carroll Shelby.
0: Well, you talked earlier about that uh, great interview where he was uh- – he was driving and asking the questions. Then uh, when you got there, then there was, as we talked before, a lot of work be done and, and you covered some of that. But the important thing too, I think, uh, out of all of that with your time at uh, Shelby, and we, we of course talked about the, the hurts and everything, is that you really put, as you said, as your father taught you, you put the customer at the, at, in the forefront, you put the company in the forefront, your respect for Carol would be part of that, uh, but also the people you worked with and that worked for you. You definitely um, you kept all of that in mind, and I think that's a big part of that huge recovery, and I know that the uh, Shelby team and Shelby family can be grateful for what you were able to bring to them.
1: Well, Carol had a great brand. He needed help. I very much admired him and, and respected him, and I worked for free for six months, because he couldn't afford to pay me, mm. and I wanted to make sure everybody stayed getting paid while we re- rebuilt the company. And he was so grateful for that that after six months, he gave me his uh, Shelby S1 car. Wow. So, you know, everything that got done was because of the staff and Ford. Ford was such a big part of this. I mean, it would have been very difficult. And I'm not even sure it could have happened. I would have hoped it would have happened either way. But mm-hmm. Ford made it much easier and much faster. And it was a good partnership. And to this day, I very much um, owe a debt of gratitude to Ford for everything they had done.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, and he, and you built some amazing partnerships with them along the way.
1: I did. and And the people within Ford were also a big help. I mean, Robert Parker was amazing. And 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 his staff and and engineering, I mean, it, it it wasn't it was a team of hundreds. Um and Mark Fields, who at the time was president of Ford, he was a big supporter of Shelby. And Etzel, I mean it was mm-hmm. it was a great time to be at Shelby.
0: Yes, of course.
1: And um, you know I always I always say that because I'm, I'm deep inside I'm an entrepreneur myself, although I can't really be entrepreneurial when I'm fixing companies and building brands right. because I have to be very monetary focused and I have to be unlike who I am right. that I get bored after. I always say I have like a five-year shelf life. <laughs> You know, five, six years. I mean, in Mattel, I think it was there seven or eight years, but I had like eight jobs at Mattel. Right. So I sure. wasn't bored. But I don't usually last more than five years at one place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because it gets kind of stagnant for me, and my team is doing such an excellent job, and there's really nowhere for them to go if I stay, so I move on.
0: Sure, right. You, you of, know,
1: and when I left Shelby, Gary Patterson got promoted. So, you know, when I brought Tracy, who's also at Shelby, Tracy Smith, I brought her from Mattel Toys. She worked for me at Hot Wheels. She was amazing. And she helped rebuild the licensing division into uh, $10, $15 million a year. That's uh, She's... Also, somebody you should talk to someday. She has an amazing background. But yeah, so I went from Shelby um, to West Coast Customs. Yes. Now I knew Ryan because Ryan was in Industry City uh, when I was at Mattel. And I knew Ryan, who also is brilliant brilliant beyond his years. Mm-hmm. In his 20s, he was thinking of things like Carol in his 80s. Um, so when I was at Mattel, I met Ryan because he was building cars for Seaman for car shows, one-off type cars. Yes. And um, I needed somebody in 2003. I built the Hot Wheels Museum at the Petersen. So I took over the whole second floor of the Peterson Museum and we made it all Hot Wheels, the, the 35 years of Hot Wheels. Oh, that's cool. And we had all the small cars. We had a globe. We had life-size Hot Wheel cars that Ryan actually built. And, um, so when I left Shelby, Ryan and I, who had stayed in touch all those years, he called me up and said, hey, (laughs) (laughs) it's like the call I got, hey, I got this company, you want to come and help, so, um, the same, not the same problem, but Ryan was growing too fast, he had TV shows, and he didn't, um, he couldn't keep up with the growth. Sure. He didn't have the right people in the right positions. And it was hard just for him to do everything because he was also the one that was opening doors and talking to the network. Right. um, He needed somebody on his level to be able to help him. So I came on board. And I was able to help him move the company forward. And unlike Carol, Ryan was a very active participant in the current company. Okay. So we were like partners moving forward to get everything done. And so I was working with all the um, licensees and all the vendors who were giving us product. And, you know, all the I opened doors to studios to do studio builds. And so I was managing all of that. And we grew the company. We did very well. And then, um, you know, Ryan's actually very different. Because over the years, I've, got, I've been with Ryan two or three times. I sort of only go in, help for a little while, then I leave again. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time with Ryan was close to five years. And then um, I wanted to open up a, a bar and restaurant, which I did and I did that for three or for opened it in 14, no I opened it in 11. So I was working for Ryan full-time but I had this bar and restaurant. Then I went to the bar and restaurant full-time in 15 and then got rid of it. And then I wasn't sure what I wanted to do so I went back to Ryan Uh, from 16 to almost 2018. Okay and then uh, Celine hired
0: me. Nice.
1: And then um, Steve is the same way, another brilliant guy who just needed help organizing everything and helping him at the level he needed. He didn't really have any senior people around him. And so we just reorganized production, got everything done, and... Um, I stayed with him for a few years, but then I wanted to go out on my own again, and I opened a restaurant in 2019. Steve and Ryan were at the grand opening. Excellent. And, um, you know, and then the pandemic came, so I went back to consulting, which is not a bad thing.
0: Well, sure. Now understandable. And still a board member It's Correct.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I had some. I mean, I had some really amazing staff at Celine. You know, Mike Ray came to work for me in sales. He was phenomenal, and uh, um, Sean. He lives in Texas now, but Sean was amazing. He did all the events, and Derek Hall, who recently passed away, but Derek was the lifeblood of Celine. Mm. He did everything yeah he was my right hand he was steve's right hand he was loyal and and good at everything and anything he wasn't good at he would learn
0: yes that's a rare he was individual. The most,
1: he was amazing guy
0: mm-hmm. yeah what a loss there for sure well i have to say amy you have you have had an, an incredible career there's still more more to go and there's plenty of miles out across the hood and uh what do you what do you think if you had a say a dream dream job i mean or or even a company that you would start i mean i know you're a restaurateur and and some other things but what uh what would you like to see in your five-year plan
1: um i think i have one more in me okay You know, I think there's one more that I can uh, do and fix. I stay up on everything, and electric cars is the future. Yeah. um, You know, I would love to do something with that. So, yeah, I definitely think, yeah, I'm not done yet. Oh,
0: of course not. And
1: then when I am done, retire to the Keys. Open up a tiki bar. <laughs>
0: that sounds excellent. <laughs> you know. That's a, that's a good plan. You go from the desert to the Keys.
1: Yeah, definitely. I always liked Florida anyway. I just, uh, yeah.
0: You can get up to Seabreeze. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good.
1: I that's, think it would be fun.
0: That's a lot. Of, that's excellent. Well, I've really enjoyed... Um, Hearing about, again, you being a a car girl and um, a very, very successful executive in the automotive industry, highly respected, and from Ford to Shelby to Celine to Mattel, you have, you've made an amazing impact wherever you've gone, and I am very grateful for you being on this show.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I've had an amazing career. I have a lot of people to thank for that, and um you know I hope that I made lives better along the way as well and it's it's nice to be remembered you know for all that you do and um I'm grateful I don't know what else to say but that I'm grateful
0: well that's that's a an adjective that you can never go wrong being And, and I think when we give gratitude it seems like more comes back our way and that's an important life lesson. So I really appreciate
1: it, it. It is an important life lesson.
0: Well, as I give all of my guests, they get the final turn behind the wheel. Amy, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have the kind of the parting wisdom or whatever you'd like to share or say. You have the final word.
1: Well, thank you, Darren. I really appreciate this. I appreciate you reaching out. And all I can really pass on is. What I said earlier is that in order for you to be successful, you have to have a great team. In order to have a great team, you have to take care of that team. Yes. And you have to put them before your needs. Always. And that is truly the key to being a great success.
0: I love it. Well, Very sage advice. And uh, you have the utmost respect for me. So I really... Thank you, and and uh, would love to have you back on the show. Once once part of this crew, you're always part of the crew, so anytime. Well, I
1: appreciate it, and I would love that.
0: Well, thank you, Amy. Have a wonderful evening.
1: You too. Thanks, Darren.
0: We are back to Studio A. A big thank you to Amy Boylan for taking time to talk with us about all the great things she has done throughout her career and what she's given to the automotive industry A lot of great ideas have been put into place, and and thank you, Amy, for being a friend to this show. We look forward to having you back sometime in the future. All right, friends, it is time for this week's Trivia Answer. If you recall, at the beginning of the show, I had asked how many Mattel Hot Wheels cars have been produced over the last 53 years. Well, after a little bit of research, found that today, believe it or not, it is said that there are more Hot Wheels Uh, miniature cars out there than there are real vehicles. Yes, over four billion, that's billion with a B, have been produced by Mattel since the first car was introduced by them, cast model car, in 1968. That being said, Cubers, we are back to the home garage and it is the end of this week's journey and road trip. We look forward to having you back again next Tuesday. And until then, remember that this is your podcast. It's all about car community and car culture. For now, I'll sign off with drive well, be well, take care.